turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Uh, with me today is Grady Smith. He's the pastor of Shepherd's House of Worship. Uh, welcome today to Heart of the City, Grady. It's good to be here. Well, I've, I've got uh, something special to tell you. This is part three of, of, of a, th- a three-part uh, interview that we're doing, and I've never done that before. Sometimes I've had people that tell their story, and it's, it's uh, two programs, but for you, you've got a lot to share, and uh, because your life has uh, taken lots of different twists and turns, and you've got a lot of wisdom to share out of that. So uh, thank you for joining me for part three today. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, let's go back just for a, a kind of a summary, because not all people get to hear all three parts of a story. Grew up in Cleveland, uh, middle-class family. Uh, how many kids? Six kids? Eight. Eight kids. Yeah, there were six boys and, and two, two gr- girls. And two yeah. girls, mom and dad. And uh, when you were 17 years old, your mom passed away of cancer. And that was kind of a a turning point in your life, you said, to where you you grieved for a long time and you buried that pain with with drugs, mostly. Yes. And um, out of that came um, a move here to Seattle in 1990 and uh, spent some time at Teen Challenge where Jesus got a hold of your heart. Yes. <laughs> and transformed your life. Share just a couple of minutes about that, that, uh, that experience there. Uh, with yeah. Teen Challenge. Well, it's a Teen Challenge where I gave my life to Christ. I was introduced to him, and this 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 huge addiction I had to crack cocaine, uh, God transferred that addiction from cocaine to himself, and I became addicted to Christ. And it was through the ministry of Teen Challenge that that happened, and, and I began to just uh, live for God from every day forward after that. Hmm. And so we're fast-forwarding here. If you want to hear more of the story, you can always go to 820 AM, The Word, and click on Local Programs, and Heart of the City has podcasts. So if you want to hear the first and second part of this story, you can go back and listen to those podcasts. But uh, you you went through the experience of grieving for your mom after 14 years, and then your son, Grady, was uh, was uh, shot in a in a like a gang initiation kind of a thing at least you think yeah back in Cleveland it back appears, yeah. it appears back in the early two thousands yeah it was uh, two thousand seven two thousand seven and then your son Jeremiah passed away two years ago yeah well you know in, in and in between that um, in two thousand eight my middle son Joshua was was on the corner in Cleveland talking with some friends and got shot. 
somebody just driving down the street shooting out of a window and shot him in the shoulder and he didn't realize he was shot for about five minutes till he had felt this burning and seen blood dripping down. And then um, that same year, Jeremiah was probably seven or eight and was at the community center in Pacific where a guy shot eight bullets into a room full of kids on Friday night pizza where the church comes in and provide pizza for all the kids in the community center. And he just happened to be outside playing football in the field out back and saw the bullets going in there. I mean, oh my. just trauma. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, my. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so Jeremiah passed away. He he drowned in the in the Green River. Uh huh. And the Lord has has had to work in your life uh, again uh, over grief and has been able to to sustain you and your wife Lori for these couple years. Tell me about that uh, that walk here the last two years. Well, that walk has drawn us so close to God. Um, the truth is we never could have made it through without being close to the Lord. And um, I mean, we, we, we're we so close to God, I mean, than we ever have been. Um, so the walk has been interesting. It's, it's been really a walk of ministry because right after so four different families who recently lost kids have been kind of dropped in our lap you know some folks just called us i guess because of the way they had seen us walk with jeremiah's death they thought we would be helpful for these families and and sure enough not only has it been helpful for them it's been helpful for us mm. so we've been to get a, have had a chance for the holy spirit to work through us and it has strengthened us and it has kept us close and dependent on the lord in ways that we never have in the past well, and that's a, that is a process, isn't it? Uh, yes. The grief is, uh, as you were sharing uh, in last week's program, you were talking about that grief uh, sometimes can, can can suddenly come upon you. Uh, I remember when my my father passed away. I I and then this was over ten years ago. I can't say I really grieved uh, that much. Um, I loved my dad. My dad loved me. He, he lived a good life. He was a Christian man. Um, you know, I spoke at his funeral, and, uh, you know, when I first saw him, at, you know, he, he lived back in Illinois, and I first saw him in the casket, I I, I shed a tear or two, but uh, deeply loved my father. But uh, it was about four months, five months later, uh, I was out watching the Blue Angels here at uh, Seafair, and my father loved the Blue Angels. And the first plane flew over, and I cried for 45 minutes. Mm. I did not know that that was coming. I had no understanding. And all of a sudden, you know, you had a similar experience with your mom back yes. at Teen Challenge uh-huh. where you weren't expecting it. And all of a sudden, grief just overwhelmed me, you know. <laughs> and um, it was totally unexpected. Yet the Lord, in the midst of that... Does a good work yeah. if you if if you know him and you let him do that work. Yeah. You you fully understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I've I talked understand. to people who it, it it can be, you know, a certain smell. Mm-hmm. It can be the the sight of something, um, you know, some inanimate object that you see, and somehow it sparks a memory of that loved one, and it takes you right back to that place of grief. Yes. It's and powerful. It is powerful, and and uh, it happens to believers and non-believers alike, doesn't it? Yes. Doesn't matter whether you know Jesus mm-hmm. or not; it can still happen. Yes. Yeah. 
So let's uh, go forward then. Tell me, tell me what happens. Uh, Jeremiah has passed away, and and you are uh, still thinking about becoming a pastor, a full full time church, or what? What's happening? With no, you? I was not. <laughs> uh, my wife and I, we were, you know, we had plans. Um, you know, we have a five bedroom house, and we were thinking ministry. I have a recovery house in in White Center, and uh-huh. we were thinking about using our house for women with domestic violence. You know, it's five bedrooms. When Jeremiah get one year in college, he gets settled, and we were thinking about, you know, downsizing ourselves and using his house for ministry. Well, Lord built that left turn in, and it's like all of that stuff was behind us, you know. And so we were praying for a whole year, Lord, what's next, what's next, what's next? We went through grief counseling uh, for a year as well, and um, they were sharing with us, don't make any major decisions in the first year. Just get through the first year. And so the first year, we were, we were just, just maintaining and just seeking the Lord, drawing close to the Lord, and asking him, what's next? And so one year passed. Uh, we had our candlelight vigil uh, one year. And then one month later, I meet with Pastor Allen from uh, Heart of uh, God Ministries. We've been meeting for probably 10 years or more. And, um, and so we, at this particular meeting, he started asking me questions like, well, well, why don't Grady Smith start his own church? And and what, what's keeping you from starting a church? Is it the preaching? He said, I don't think so. He says, is it counseling? I, don't, I mean, I'm saying to myself, why is he asking me this? You know, <laughs> man, I, I asked myself, you've been talking to my wife or something? Because you sound like her right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, I was like, man, I wish he'd talk about something else. He said he had no intentions of bringing this stuff up. It's just the Lord put it on his heart right before he came in. We're at Starbucks up on 148th in Burien. And so I, I just said, he's, I said, well, I'm just afraid of letting God down. And we kept talking. 30 minutes later, the Lord said to me, if you don't do what I called you to do, you've already let me down. And I just, my eyes teared up and I just threw my hands up in the air in Safeway and says, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Lord, I'll do it. And I just surrendered right there. And Pastor Allen just looked shocked like he wasn't expecting me to respond to that. He was just asking (laughs) questions. Right. But he had no idea what God had already been doing. And for me, it's like I had been running from this calling until I just ran out of road. (laughs) I just ran out of road. There was nowhere else to go. Well, Grady, share with me a little bit because sometimes I don't know as if our listeners who who haven't, when you say called of God, what what does that mean? What, flesh that out a little bit. Well, I, I would say that God has put a passion on my heart, something that no matter what I do, no matter how, which direction I go, what excuses I make to not doing that, he just keeps bringing me back. And, and actually, along the way, he equips me for that call the whole way. Everything that happens, he's equipping me for that. So I'm a chemical dependency professional um, by profession, and I have a passion to do that. If you don't have a passion or a call in your life to do it, you will get burned out in this field. The average life expectancy of someone that does chemical dependency work is about two and a half years. Because if you don't have a call, you just you won't be able to handle the pressure. You won't be able to stand up on it. You won't have joy in doing it. And so uh, when God put a call on your life, it's a passion that he builds inside you that's unique to you. And nothing really can deter you from it. You'll do it for free. You'll do it with all the energy you have. You'll do it in your sleep. You'll do it when everybody else want to quit doing it. And that's that's what a call means to me. Well, you know, as as you're talking about that, it it helps me think that a call of God. When you when most people hear that, they think, well, that means that you're called to be a pastor. 
But really, God calls people to to their vocation, mm-hmm. to to uh, um, uh, maybe a hobby or an interest. And with that passion, if He's called you and resourced you to do it, and you and like you said, you're willing to do it whether you get paid or not. You that's just that's the passion it is. That is a call of God, isn't yes. it? Yes. And so it may not be to pastor a church, but you can still be called. You can yes. be called to work at Boeing. You can mm-hmm. be called to be a chemical dependency counselor, or you can be called to be an Uber driver. So, so originally my call was to families. When I was at, at New Vision working, you know, no one was really working with the families. And the Lord put it on my heart after being there for a year and a half. And our state called addiction a, a family disease. Well, why aren't we working with the families? And I begin to call the families in. And that's where I find my greatest joy is working with the families. Sometimes the symptom bearer, they don't get it. They have no intentions on getting it. But when the families come in, if the family gets it, the family puts another uh, type of pressure on the symptom bearer. And it begins to kind of sandwich them in and it forces them to do something. And so and the opposite is true that if the families don't get well, if they don't get information, if they don't get knowledge about this addiction, then they continue to be part of the problem. They sabotage all the work you do. So you have to work with them simultaneously. So the Lord put put that passion on my heart for the families. And for me, that's what pastoring is about. It's about shepherding. It's about, you know, families. It's about working with every individual, not just one particular individual. And so um, that's that's where I'm at, and that's the work that I've been doing, and that's what I love doing. That's where I find my greatest joy doing. So you're sitting in Starbucks talking to a fellow pastor, another yeah. pastor, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, all right, I give up. So what happens next? <laughs> well, what happens next is I go home and tell Lori, and she gets all excited because, you know, she's been expecting this for 20 years. And, uh, and I said, well, don't tell anybody because i got to leave a back door in case I chicken out. <laughs> she tells her family, and, uh, and, and I don't really say anything. I'm just really quiet. About two days later, I get cold feet. And she looked at me like I would hit you in the head with a two by four. You're not backing out on God. And uh, I was just, man, it was just too much for me to, you know, my mind started creating all these scenarios. And I started working myself into a situation where I, I wasn't sure and this and that. And and uh, then I began to just massage it and begin to work through it. And, and I said, you know, I preach like every three months or so here or there. Man, preaching every Sunday. How do you do that? You know, I started having these questions. And then I was up for a knee replacement in August, so I've been doing a lot of exercising. I mean, I do deep water aerobics. I'm riding my bike a couple days a week. I'm lifting weights three days a week. I'm just getting ready and and, uh, and working out. And then uh, in July 20th, it was a 10-year anniversary of Grady's death, and I've just been thinking about him all day. And I had two counseling sessions at 5 and 6. And so at 3 o'clock, I said, honey, I'm going to go for an hour bike ride. I'm just going to do probably 10 miles or so. I I did 20 miles a couple days prior, and I had just doubled up my reps on weights. And so I get one mile from the house. I'm on an interurban trail in Pacific, and I get this cramp, I mean, this pain in my left, um, right in there, just on the uh, outside of the, the armpit. And I said, what is that pain? I said, man, maybe it's from all those weights, you know. I should just ride this out, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden, my my breathing, my lungs felt like I'd been running in cold weather. So Uh when I breathe in, it hurt. I was getting pain when I breathe. I said, no, I feel bad. I'm just going to go home. And then the Lord told me, go to the fire department. Hmm. And, man, so I 
I, I put my bike in first gear, and I mean, I was in so much pain, and it was getting worse. Every pedal, I was like, Lord, help me get to the fire department. Every pedal for three quarters of a mile. I got off the trail and got on the main road because I didn't think I was going to make it. I said, well, at least if I pass out, somebody would see me. And every pedal, I was just praying, Lord, help me. Every pedal. I mean, it, and, and I'm in first gear on a 21 speed. Right. Bike, and, and it felt like I was in 21 on a hill. Interesting. Wow. And I was just pedaling, Lord, help me. And I finally get there and uh, no one was there. So the police department called them. Uh, the fire and the police is like in the same building. And it took them forever. I was dying. And, uh, and I live, uh, you know, like two blocks from there. And so uh, I f- finally they showed up, and the guy pressed on my chest and says, does that hurt? I said, no. He says, raise your arm. Does that hurt? I said, no. And he says, well, you're not having a heart attack. It's not your heart. They checked my blood pressure. They do. They gave me some oxygen. Uh, they packed all their stuff up. And I text Lori. I said, Lori, I'm, I'm at the police department. I said fire department, though. Uh, and I think I'm having a heart attack. She was there within five minutes. Yeah. It's 3.50 in the afternoon. You know, she had her pajamas on. She was home for the day. Right. And so she come in her pajamas. She come in the door. Both of the paramedics is just sitting back like, you know, like it's Lottie D, you know, like it's nothing. And so she didn't panic. But if she looked at me and, and rec- I mean, I was dying. I could barely breathe. I was sweating. And uh, and so they started discussing. The guy asked me, he says, uh, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, man, I am not going home feeling like this. And so they started discussing what to do with my bike. Should we just take his bike home and drop it off? Well, the, the, the police captain said, just leave the bike here. You can get it later. So they told her, go home, change clothes. They're going to take their time. They took their time. They had me climb up in the back of the truck, and they stopped at every red light. They didn't turn on any lights. It took them forever to get there. She got there at the same time we did, and she went home to change clothes. <laughs> You're my. And we get there, and the doctor says, not only did he have a heart attack, he's having many heart attacks right now, and they ran me full speed into the OR. Whoa. And so as they were hooking me up, I had like 10 people just working on me. And, and uh, so they, she put the anesthetic. She was in the, in the IV. And I was leaning up to tell her I have a do not resuscitate order. And the Lord sealed my mouth shut. And I couldn't say it. Within seconds, I was out. And my heart stopped. They had to shock me twice to bring me back. Oh, yeah. my. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And so when, when the surgery was over, right out of surgery, I said, hey, what time is it? It was like 6.30 p.m. And Lori said, I talked for three days nonstop. I didn't even go to sleep that whole night. I stayed up all night long. I was just just so excited about God. And it's just like all that fear I had prior to that. Yeah. He took all that away. Whoa. And I mean, I was just, I had a single focus and that was doing what God called me to do. Yeah. And so we had been, I've been meeting with other pastors and uh, church plant pastors and just, just getting information. And so finally, uh, mid-September, Maybe the first week in September, I looked at Lori and said, we're going to open the church October 1st. She says, what? That's in three weeks. I said, I know. That's the date the Lord gave me. And there were still things that weren't clear, but everything happened, I mean, just like clockwork from that day forward. And uh, I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's no greater joy than being right in the center of God's will. Amen. Amen. So how are you feeling now? Are you doing all right, yeah, heart-wise? Man, once they put that, st- they put a stand in. Okay. And uh, they said that the, the artery was blocked at 98%. He said five more minutes and you wouldn't have made it. Uh-huh. You know, and, uh, and he told me, he said, if you'd have done anything that went to the fire department, you wouldn't be here now. You know, and so when, we, when I came home from the hospital, I was there like 36 hours or so, they released me. 
I took a shower and I started bleeding. I says, Lori, I'm bleeding. She called a nurse. She was all panicky. I says, Lori, the Lord told me to go to the fire department. He's not going to let me bleed out at home. <laughs> he didn't take me through all that to bleed out here at home. I right. said, I have no worries whatsoever. So, it, you know, my trust in God grew. And even in this in this church plan and the focus, God did all that. I said, yeah, he, he has a plan, you know. And um, so... I feel great. I mean, I felt great after that, you know. It, uh-huh. They wanted me to take it easy. It took me a little work to get back into working out again. Yeah, yeah. They offered cardiac rehab. I decided I need to take that because that will help get me back in. And so when I finish, I guess they want you to be around 40% uh, uh, energy that you output, output energy or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said I was 166%, so. I did fabulous. Wow. And uh, so I graduated cardiac rehab. I'm back at the YMCA doing my regular stuff. And they put the knee on. The, the, knee, the knee got trumped by the heart. And so <laughs> uh, they won't do the knee replacement until uh, June of next year. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I just seen the cardiologist and the um, orthopedic surgeon. So I, I feel great, you know. Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development, and our guest today is uh, Pastor Grady Smith with Shepherd's House of Worship. So, Grady, we've got about three minutes left. What are you preaching on these days? What's, uh, what's your focus? Well, I started out with John 13, 34, and 35. I want to just preach about, you know, as, as disciples of Christ, we need to love each other. And, and this is how the world know who we belong to, by that unconditional love. And then I, I transition into the book of James. We've been going verse by verse through James, and it's been exciting. Um, uh, so, of course, I broke off for, for Christmas and did a Christmas sermon. I'm going to do a New Year's sermon this week, and then this week, and then in January, I'll pick back up in James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite books, James. Yes. I, I memorized that whole book when I was a teenager, and uh, good book. I started. I got through chapter one, and just life <laughs> showed up, and uh, I just never got back to it. I but. know. I know. I totally get it. <laughs> so what are you hoping for the future? What is the Lord, uh, what vision do you have for the future for for the Shepherd's House of Worship? Well, the Lord... The Lord told me, just stay faithful. Um, and then I met with Pastor Allen, and he says, you know, for the first year, don't overreact to anything. No matter what happens, just get through the first year. And and with being faithful and that advice that he gave me, they go hand in hand. And already we, we're looking for a worship leader. We had one that came on board. He played guitar. He sings. He had all the equipment. But, uh, you know, he's he's moving on. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's moved on as of this past Sunday. So now we're looking for a worship leader. And uh, my goal was, you know what, we'll, we'll use Bluetooth, um, you know, and if it's just my wife, is you know, that's what we're going to do. Because we right. didn't know, but we had like 50 people in the first service, you know. And um, and we've had a lot of people come visit, you know, and, and we just... We're just we're just working through this thing, and I'm I'm reminded of Chronicles where it says, "Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you." Yeah, and so we just know that we're going to stay faithful, and and in a year, wherever we are, is where God wants us to be because it's all His show, you know. And uh, we're just going to be obedient, you know, and and enjoy what God's doing. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to know more about Shepherd's House of Worship and Pastor Grady Smith. You can go to shepherdshouseofworship.org. That's shepherdshouseofworship.org. 
And uh, Grady, you've uh, you've been sharing for three weeks now on Heart of the City, uh, three programs, and uh, you've got an incredible story. And I'm I'm glad that you had a chance to uh, to share it with our listeners uh, today. And uh, as we're wrapping up here, I just want to remind you that if you want to uh, hear all three uh, programs or any other program that you've heard on Heart of the City, a lot of great testimonies, a lot of great. Uh, stories of about the faithfulness of God in the seasons of life. You can go to um, the Word Seattle. the The website is the Word Seattle, and click on local programs. And uh, in there, you'll see Heart of the City. And click on there, you'll see my smiling face, the the picture. And click on podcast, and then you can look up uh, Grady's story as well as lots of other great stories of pastors and ministry leaders who have shared their stories. So. Grady, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. It was an honor. Uh, God bless. listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com.